This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to Duval Daily, presented by GenJag.com. I'm Jordan DeLugo. Thank you so much for tuning in here on Friday, February 10th. As y'all can see, if you're tuning in on YouTube, very special guest here, Austin Lane, former Jacksonville Jaguar, current MMA fighter, uh, just one of the most interesting people in Jacksonville, if you ask me, <laughs> the backstory here for Austin Lane. But I'm really fired up to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on, man. No, dude, thank you for having me on, man. And, and I mean, wholeheartedly, thanks for not suing me because I forgot that your show is called the Duval Bailey. And I actually had a Duval Bailey on the, the show I used to do uh, on 95.1 WAPE where I would play oh. Limp Biscuit songs um, and then talk about like the, 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 basically like the, the, the happening news in Jacksonville every single day. And we did that at 9.04 every single day. It was called the, uh, it was called the Daily or whatever. So thank, thanks for not suing that. me, dude. Yeah, so well, thank you for not suing me, man. Absolutely. I don't know who started their show first or their segment first. I'm not sure, but... Uh, it's probably you. I don't know. I, I I don't listen to 95.1 that often, but I did listen to you a ton Yeah, when you were over on 690 with Brent and all that. And Yeah. Uh, your, your road to where you are now, it's been crazy, mm-hmm. right? Former Jaguar drafted in the fifth round <laughs> out of Murray State. What was the draft process like for you? Like going from small school to getting drafted by an NFL team, what was that all about for you? Yeah, I mean, to to put it, you know, bluntly, it was much like my senior bowl performance where I scored a touchdown and I had no idea what the hell to do after that. Um, and that's what the entire draft process was for me because, like you said, I came from a very small school at Murray State. Shout out to the Racers. Shout out to John Morant, shout out to Quincy Williams, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but uh, so I came from a very small school. So when that happens, you know, you hear, oh, this kid can go second round. He can go undrafted free agent. So there was a very um, wide scope of where I could have went, you know? So like when, when you're sitting there uh, with all your friends on draft day and, you know, it's day one, like, oh, I can maybe go round two. All right. Well, it's the fourth round. I'm still sitting here. So like, what's going on with that? So it was... um. It was a stressful experience, but at the end of the day, it, it, I was I was so grateful to get drafted. Um, it was an awesome experience, and obviously that experience left let me to Jacksonville, uh, where I still call my home today. Yeah, beautiful stuff. Love having people that, you know, had you even ever been to Jacksonville before you got drafted here? No, no, I've never been to Jacksonville, but I actually, so my very first training camp I ever got to uh, watch, the only training camp I ever got to watch was the Jaguars training camp in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. 
Um, oh, I was right, in yeah. daycare. Yeah, I, I was in daycare back in 95. It was the summertime, and my daycare uh, went to go watch the Jaguars. So I got like Tony Baselli's autograph, I got a program. <laughs> um, I, I, got, I got a bunch of guys. And then, you know, lo and behold, many, many, many years down the line, don't mean to make Tony Baselli sound old, but many, many, many years down the line, then I get drafted by the Jaguars. So it all kind of came full circle. Hey, if you're in the Hall of Fame, you got to have a few years under your belt, right? No, for sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's great. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I guess it was meant to be. You ended up in Jacksonville and then, um, mm-hmm. you know, didn't play football for, for a super long time in the NFL. What did you have, about five years? So, I mean, if you want to count it, it, w- it would have been five total years. Um, you know, four seasons actually were credited, as they say. Uh, so yeah, you know, I mean, I spent three years here in Jacksonville, um, spent some time in Kansas city with Andy Reid, who's, you know, now coaching the Super Bowl. um, spent some time in Detroit and then finished up my career in Chicago, which is where I was born, um, which was kind of interesting as well. So I kind of, you know, I I was, uh, I was a journeyman towards Mm -hmm. the end of my career, but I knew once I was done playing ball that Jacksonville would be the home base. Awesome, man. Well, we're happy to still have you here, obviously. (laughs) I appreciate it. So as pretty much everybody probably knows by this point, like you're a professional fighter now and you've been pretty damn successful uh, in that regard. You know, six straight wins, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah. Nice, man. Someone's doing their homework. I like it. Hey, I I went on Tapology. I'm not a huge MMA guy, but I follow what you've been doing a little bit. 12 and three, six straight wins, 11 wins by knockout, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty crazy, man. And uh, the last one, I believe it was the last one in September. Mm-hmm. Was that? Was, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Yep. That giant Duval on TV after the win. <laughs> that was so sick, man. I know everybody was fired up about that. No, for sure. So it, it's funny. Um, kind of take it behind the scenes a little bit of a lot of fighters. So when fighters fight, they usually um kind of know what they're gonna say after they win you know like they go over it and stuff um and like and you could ask my coach this i i never know what i'm gonna say um after my fights because i always want to be genuine you know i take pride uh and not being scripted i i I take pride in being myself and speaking my mind in said moment you know so once you know i got the win and everything and usually like when you, when you get the win in the cage they interview you in the cage well that's not the case right so then you have time to, to gather yourself a little bit you go behind the scenes and then they interview you because that's the way that worked on dana white's tuesday night contender series and yeah man i just spoke from the heart and then um for whatever reason my mind just went to oh dude don't let her cut you off you got to say duval at least one time <laughs> for everybody back home and, and and i said it and then um yeah i, I guess you know, according to UFC and the, like the promotions people, they were really happy with that video because it, it got a lot of views and a lot of clicks and all that great stuff, which I'm not the most concerned about, but they are. So if they're happy, then I'm happy. So, yeah, I mean, it was um, it was a really cool experience. Obviously, I hold Jacksonville in my heart very dearly uh, and to be able to kind of put, you know, a little two ball out there um, on ESPN plus. Um, it was an awesome feeling and spoiler alert, it's not going to be the only one, you know, when I get back in that cage, I get another KO or I choke somebody out. You can expect another do ball coming at you too. Hell yeah. That was kind of a, uh, win, 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 because you've got yeah. yourself getting the W right in the octagon. Yeah. Then you've got, uh, UFC getting the dub for all the engagement. And then you've got yeah. Jaguars fans being happy as hell. 
Uh, yeah, man. Were... Yeah. <laughs> well, that and then obviously the, the Jaguars that uh, they were doing well too at that time. So I mean, it yeah. was just a it, it was a perfect combination of a lot of things coming together, and it all worked out. And the best part was it was spontaneous. You know, it wasn't scripted. Um, it came from the heart, uh, and I'm obviously proud of that. Hell yeah. Well, what's coming down the pipes in your uh, fighting career? Yeah, so I was actually supposed to fight this weekend in Perth, Australia um, on the UFC card and unfortunately um, ended up tearing my bicep uh, off the bone, if you will. Oh, um, I was I was sparring, getting ready for the fight and everything, and I threw a hook, and I've, I've thrown a hook a million times. Um, and unfortunately, just the, the way that it caught the guy who was defending it, um, caught it in a super awkward position. Um, I heard a, I kind of heard a pop. I'm like, all right, so maybe something's a little strained. Obviously, when you're sparring, you have so much adrenaline going through you that you don't really think about it at the time. But as I'm going through the round, I'm like, all right, my arm's getting weaker and weaker to the point where I couldn't lift it. And then I look down, and I'm watching my biceps slowly start to roll up to my shoulder. I'm like, all right, something's definitely up. We got to call the session. Um, and then, you know, I, I go home, and uh, my wife, who's in healthcare, she, she's a doctor, um, she's like, you need to go to the ER right now. I'm like, well, the Jaguars play the Chargers tonight, so I'm going to go tomorrow. And she's like, no, your, your ass is going right now. So she made me go, and unfortunately, I was there for like five hours getting tests done and everything. So I ended up missing that game. I, I missed the playoff game, the Jaguars-Chargers, which, well, I don't know, might have been the best game of all time in Jaguars history. Oh so I, I missed that, unfortunately, just sitting at home with a bum um, arm. But it was still cool to watch it on TV. Yeah, well – you know, you got to watch everything leading up to that point. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I can only imagine sitting there like the one thing that can't happen right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I go to the yeah. hospital so I can't watch the damn game. Yeah, dude. And like, yeah. you know, I and mean, then obviously I'm stressed out because like, well, I probably have to call off my fight as well. So that, there's a lot of emotions, um, you know, going through my head and then watching Trevor Lawrence throw four interceptions. I'm like, oh, but of course he did, you know, and then it's just like, man, try to turn the game off. Obviously, watched the game till the end, and I'm glad I did because it ended up being one of the with the greatest games I've ever seen. So that was awesome. So crazy. Um, yeah. So that was what a month ago. About yeah, that was ago. a month. That was about a month so, ago. Um, I had surgery like two and a half weeks ago. Um, super ahead of schedule already. So I think the goal is going to be sometime late spring or early summer to get a fight. Um, don't really care where it is. It can be back in Australia if they want to put me there. Um, if it's in Jacksonville, even better, but it doesn't matter to me, man. I'm just ready to fight. I'm aching to get back out there. So the sooner, the better for me. Awesome. Love that attitude. That's the attitude you always have though. No, you have to. Yeah, you have to, man. Um, especially with injuries, you know, the the great thing about, I mean, I said the great thing injuries obviously suck, you know, and I had my fair share playing in the league and, um, I've had a couple in MMA as well, but, um, the best part about it is, is that you can control everything with that injury. And by meaning that, I mean, you, you can have a positive attitude. You know, you, you can really influence how well that recovery process goes, right? You put the work in, in PT and physical therapy. You can either have a good mindset about it and stay positive and your body can heal better, or you can feel sorry for yourself and be negative. And me, I've always been raised to be a positive person, especially through adversity. So um, you know, this is just another challenge, um, in my, in my life. And I'm, I'm, I'm obviously swinging for the fences here and everything. And like I said, the, the recovery has been, um, fantastic and I'm way ahead of schedule already. And so it's a good sign going forward that I'll be fighting, um, sooner rather than later. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, 
kind of another opportunity for you to level up in your personal career. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on today is because you have had so many different opportunities and, and times throughout your career where you had to decide that you were going to level up, right? Going from yeah. Murray State to the NFL, going from the NFL to radio and to MMA. And there's just been a lot of opportunity for you to grow personally throughout your professional career. And mm -hmm. being a former Jaguar, a former NFL player, I just wanted to get your opinion on kind of how these Jags, after a season in which they exceeded every expectation, yeah. How can they exceed expectations even more? How can they level up now that expectations will be higher? Obviously, there's going to be some internal um, mm -hmm. leveling up that they need to do and external, you know, bringing people in. So let's start with Correct. what's in that building right now. Um, what do you think that they need to do to level up? Okay, so sure, sure. So let's start off on a very broad scope and then slowly start to narrow it down exactly what they need to do. If you look at the situation right now, you have a team that achieved expectations beyond any of our wildest dreams. You know, I think, I mean, when I did my predictions in the season, I was thinking maybe six wins maximum. Um, and obviously, Doug Peterson had different ideas and, and, he, and he put that team on the map. And now there's hope, there's excitement around the city of Jacksonville. You have a division right now that is down. You have the Colts who are down. You have the Titans who are down. You have these Texans that are down. They all probably need a quarterback going forward. Um, this is the Jaguars' time. And you have Trevor Lawrence, who's on his rookie contract, which means so much in the grand scheme of things of trying to build a roster, especially a roster that's trying to give your quarterback confidence. So when we look at that, it's like, all right, well, you have to do well in the draft, right? Because once again, the guys that you bring in now, they have to contribute. So depending on the draft and depending on free agency, it kind of works hand in hand. So if you're asking me like, what are some big things going forward the Jaguars need to do? You got to figure out Juwan Taylor and you got to figure out Evan Ingram. All right, let's start with uh, Juwan Taylor first. You know, this is a guy who I think a lot of fans, including myself, weren't really high on going into the season, just from what we've seen in the past. Um, I think he exceeded expectations, you know, and in the NFL, coaches always do this here, Jordan. They always watch, like, say you're trying to get film study on somebody, right, to see if, if, it, if you want to re-sign him, if you want to bring him into the team. Coaches always start with the last game first because coaches are always interested to see how do you finish the season compared to how do you start the season. If we go back to Juwan Taylor and what he did in the playoffs, he played some of his best football, right? Didn't give up a sack. Now, there are a couple of penalties here and there, but didn't give up a sack. And I think overall it speaks volumes when you talk about a guy in Juwan Taylor who was listed as the the, the, the the alternative captain against the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, we're talking about, you know, going into hostile territory in Kansas City, one of the biggest games in Jaguars history, and you elected him to be a captain. So that screams volumes of just what the locker room thinks of him, what the coaches think about him. And I think if you have a guy like that, you can't let him go. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan, but was it $15 million he's asking for right now, uh, a year, around mm -hmm. there? That that report that came out, uh, I think it was more of like a projection or a take than a real report, maybe reading okay. the tea leaves a little bit from Field Yates. But yeah, Field sure. Yates of ESPN basically projected or said he expects Jawan Taylor to sign a deal with the Jaguars around that $15 million mark. So yeah. So if we're talking about $15 million for Juwan Taylor, I mean, and granted, I get it. There's always going to be an inflection of, of price because the salary cap goes up every single year. 
But if you give him $15 million and you compare that to the, ta- the money that tackles we've making last year, he'd be like the 21st, 22nd highest paid tackle this year if you get $15 million. Now, are we saying Juwan Taylor is the 20th best, 21st best tackle in the NFL? I think so. Like, I, I have no problem giving him $15 million if that's going to be the case. Now he might ask for more, and he should ask for more. You know, go get your money. But I think if you can bring Juwan Taylor back at $15, $16 million, you absolutely do that. Right, because you, you want to keep that consistency with that offensive line. You know, like, yeah, teams are always going to switch out guys here or there. But if you can keep your old line together as much as possible, if they're playing well, that helps a lot. You know, then having Walker Little and Cam Robinson, you know, just it's only going to help things. So I think Juwan Taylor should be a primary focus. And then obviously the other focus needs to be Evan Ingram, a guy who came in um, kind of on a prove-it deal, and I think he proved himself. I think he was a good security blanket for Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think going forward with Evan Ingram, you know, how much is he going to be asking for? I'm not sure yet. You know, I mean, he put out a tweet saying that he loves New York. I'm not sure if that's a little gamesmanship on his part, trying to garner some more interest, trying to garner some more money. Once again, more power to you, Evan. But if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, I get that deal done too. And if I have to, I'm going to franchise tag him. Because at the end of the day, if you want to look at the franchise tag and tight ends, it's not a bad spot to franchise tag somebody. You're talking $10 million, $11 million a year uh, for the franchise tag. Okay. As opposed to maybe franchise tagging Juwan Taylor, which would cost you, what, $16, $17 million? Probably even more, probably $18 million. I'm not sure the average is. And I suck at math, so don't, you know, don't worry about that. But <laughs> I, um, I think it's like $18 million. Amen to you then, dude. But I think it's like $18 million, maybe $19 for, um, for a franchise tag and a, a tackle. No, let's go ahead and go Evan Ingram, then franchise tag him, and then kind of restructure the the contracts as need be. Yeah, I know Balky mentioned that they don't want to tr- that use the franchise tag this year, and you understand why they're tied against the cap. They have to do some massaging, uh, which is absolutely yeah. not even possible. But li- I mean, it's going to happen. They're going to be able to massage the cap. They're going to be able to do what they want to do. That's how it works mm-hmm. in the NFL when you have an owner that is willing to spend money. And Shad Khan, as we all know, is willing to spend money. So I agree with you completely about Jawan. Um, I've kind of gone back and forth in my head about which, if you could only keep Jawan or Evan, Mm -hmm. which one is it? And there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. But um, I would say at this time, I'm more in on if you had to keep Jawan. Or Evan, I would keep Jawan if it was one of the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the you know, I mean, that, go ahead. Yeah, please. Yeah, the reason I think that is tackle is more important than tight end for one. Like, yeah, Evan Ingram, what he did for the Jaguars offense this year it was vital. They wouldn't have gotten to the playoffs without some of his contributions, obviously. But I also look at um, Evan Ingram as good as he was. How much of his production was he's wide open because he's running a mesh and that's just the the way the route is. Like my point is I think Doug got Evan a lot of yards this year. Sure. And Evan did go above and beyond in certain occasions where he would like go up and grab a touchdown pass and a a clutch moment. I'm, I'm aware of that. But how much of his production was based solely on the fact that Doug Peterson was his offensive play caller and head coach? And how much of that production can you replace with a guy who might not be quite as talented as Evan Ingram? So I think with Evan, I mean, those are great points, man, for sure. You know, I mean, did 
essentially you're saying, did Doug Peterson scheme Evan Ingram to be successful? And I think you can point to absolutely. You know, I think Doug Peterson's MO has been scheming guys at the tight end position um, and letting them eat. And he's done that in Philly. Um, you know, when they brought in Travis Kelsey, um, he was there for that. You know, he got Kelsey kind of acclimated right away. So Doug Peterson loves his tight ends. I think it speaks volume, though. Set aside from Evan Ingram, did any really any other tight end really stick out to you? Like, what, what was Dan Arnold a game wrecker? You know, was any other guys in that line? Uh, well, I didn't give him an opportunity. Did, what, but did they earn an opportunity? Right. You know, because I think we, Ev we, earned it. Ev no, definitely, Evan definitely earned it. And keep in mind, like Doug Peterson, in the past he's gone with two tight end sets, right? Like if, if he has the horses to throw to, he will throw to them. I didn't see a lot of other guys on that, um, you know, the, from that tight end group have success. And I think it's just because of maybe just a lack of of skill at that position. So when we talk about can you afford to lose Evan Ingram? Well, there's always free agency. I understand that. There's always the draft where if you look at how the draft can shake out, like say, you know, say you, you re-sign Juan Taylor, right? And then also now you're looking for maybe a draft to get a tight end. You probably can get a pretty legit guy um, at the end of the first round. You know, there, there's a guy from Utah everyone's talking about. I forgot his name. Um, but there's a couple of guys. That you, yeah, yeah. That you can probably get. Mayer from Notre Dame. Who knows where he's going to land? Correct. So, yeah. But his – yeah, but history has always shown us that it takes time for the tight end position to acclimate to the NFL. And mm-hmm. do you have time to sacrifice that if you let Evan Ingram go? I don't think so. I, I think you're in win-now mode, and you need to have as many weapons as possible for Trevor Lawrence. You know, I think Trevor Lawrence has done a great job of elevating players. Christian mm-hmm. Kirk, prime example. Evan Ingram, prime example. But it's not all just Trevor Lawrence elevating players because did Marvin Jones get elevated? I don't think so. You know, yeah. did, did Zay Jones? I mean, I think, you know, the deep ball and everything, but there were some drops there too from Zay. So I think it's a combination of obviously having the quarterback now in Trevor Lawrence. You have the play calling, but you still have the skill at the tight end position. I think Evan Ingram brings that. And I think if we're talking about franchise taking a guy for whatever it is, $10, $11 million at the tight end position, if that's going to be Trevor's security blanket, if that gives Trevor confidence going forward, you know what? Hey, Shad Khan, hey, Trent Bulky, write it up. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. There's no reason that they shouldn't be able to bring them both back unless it's just like they get to a point where one of them is like, it's just way outside of what they're even looking at, right? And you see that happen sometimes and it just doesn't work out. Uh, And I want both guys to obviously get as much money as they possibly can. Like for both of these players, this is probably going to be their biggest payday of their career. Um, So you want them to, to... make as much as they possibly can for their family, for their career. Um, but you also want them back in Jacksonville playing with Trevor Lawrence and, and getting coached up by Doug Peterson. So we'll see how that plays out. What about on the defensive side of the ball? When you look at like Arden key and Dewan Smoot, obviously Smoot has the Achilles. Hopefully you yeah. can bring him back and maybe it's even discounted now, but what about Arden key? He really flashed. No, I mean, Arden Key definitely flashed, and he's obviously – he's kind of like that locker room guy as well. You, you sense that the players really gravitate towards him. Um, you know, and this is the thing about the offseason. This is the thing about teams is that it's never going to look the same, right? And eventually some cuts are going to have to be made, some, some hard decisions. You know, I mean, I think Arden Key is a great player, but, like, how much is he going to be wanting? You know, I mean, how, many, how much resources do you have to spend on him? I think Smoot was on pace to get a big-time contract – 
until he got hurt, which is super unfortunate, man. And, and that always sucks. And you wonder why players ask for long-term contracts. It's situations like that with, with, with Smoot, you know, and it's too bad. Um, with him, I mean, yeah. He might never I mean, get a big deal again now. No. Honestly. No. All, over, over an injury, man. Um, you know, if we're, if we're speaking truthful here, he definitely will come at a discount. So I think that's one guy to consider. You know, you have to obviously slowly bring him along with that Achilles injury, especially – I think from a pass rushing standpoint where it's all about get off. It's all about explosiveness. So you can look at that. You, you can look at free agency. I mean, but to me, the, the biggest questions going forward is can Josh Allen still produce and can Trayvon Walker figure things out, you know? And, and when I say figure things out, I mean, you know, I always go back to a, a quote that uh, Quincy Williams had his rookie year. He said he felt like his head was in a beehive. And if you go back and watch, <laughs> and if you go back and watch some of Trayvon Walker, you sense that a little bit. You know, there's some very, very good with Trayvon Walker. And if you go back to the the first game of the season when they played the Commanders, his get off on on his, I think it was his first sack of his career, dude. I thought it was Von Miller for a second because like his get off was just unworldly. I'm like, oh, this guy's gonna have ten sacks this season. But then as you progress during the season and you start watching, you know, just his stance and everything. If you go back and watch a lot of film, like against the Raiders, who did this a lot, I saw, he would change his foot on his stance like every other play. Meaning like one time, you know, he's on the right side, and one time his right foot was up, one time his left foot was up. And it wasn't a scheme thing. It wasn't a play call thing. I think this was a guy who might have been in his head a little bit too much. Uh, and keep in mind, this is a guy who played a majority of positions in college, coming to the NFL is still learning one position. So his development has to be a high priority as well. And, yeah, I've been reading articles. Yeah, do you put him in, in the inside, keep him on the outside, hand in the dirt? Just let him do one thing right now, all right? Just let him do one thing, and then from there, slowly start to work him. Because the last thing I – and this has been the MO of the Jacksonville Jaguars here, Jordan, is you bring in guys based on talent and what they could be. And, and, and you always try to fit them to a scheme. No, man. Great coaches put a player – you get a player that you know what he's going to do, and he does it. You know, I'm, I'm not – I'm not writing, uh, you know, Trayvon Walker off by any means. I think he's, he can still be a special talent. He has all the physical attributes. Now, mentally, he just got to get it together a little bit. But like a prime example is like Aiden Hutchinson. You know, Hutchinson came from Michigan. He goes to Detroit. You know, uh, they love doing like the wide nine defense and everything. If you watch Aiden Hutchinson, he's in a he's in a four point stance or a three point stance pretty much every single play. He's dropped back into coverage, and he's getting off the ball because that's what Aiden Hutchinson does. If you go back and watch what Trayvon Walker did in college, yeah, I mean, the explosiveness was there. But it was a lot of depending on the bull rush and it was a lot of depending on his strength and athleticism. When he gets to the NFL, you can't just rely on strength. You have to rely on your get-off and your speed too. And that's the next step that Trayvon Walker has to make now going forward is the speed, it's the get-off, and obviously just, you know, the game slowing down from a little bit as well. Yeah, and just bringing it, like you said, consistently with your even how you're lined up to start the play. Um, yeah. I think all that stuff will probably come. I think it was probably a, an insane six months to eight months for Trayvon Walker going mm -hmm. from, you know, there were some folks that knew about him to start the 2021 college football season. But I think maybe Dane Brugler was probably the only person that had him anywhere close to the first round, much mm -hmm. less number one overall. Then you go on this run. You're one of the most uh, dominant college football players on the planet. Clearly 
you're just an alien from a size and physical standpoint. Um, yeah. And then, so you're going from a guy where like, you weren't even the most known guy on your team. You were probably like not even in the top five most not known guys on your team. And then all of a sudden you're the first overall pick and you're going to a city and everybody's expecting you to be this guy. I just don't think he was quite ready for that. Um, and I, I think his development is the second most important thing that can happen in Jacksonville outside of Trevor Lawrence's development. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No, I mean, it absolutely has to be, right? And you said it, Jordan. It's, it's the first overall pick, right? And when you're the first overall pick, that comes with responsibility. That comes with expectation. And yeah, you're talking about a guy who's essentially still learning a position at the number one overall pick. But like, that's what they saw in him, you know, in terms of, you know, the, and obviously like I've made jokes about this, but it's the truth, you know, in terms of his arm reach, like everybody fell in love with his intangibles of this guy's got long arms. He's got this super long arms. That's great. And and if you have long arms as a pass rusher, that's only going to help, but it can't just be about long arms or it can't just be about, well, he's got all the physical attributes. I mean, what does he bring to the table in terms of, you know, IQ? What does he bring to the table in terms of just gamesmanship? And we, we've seen that a little bit, but that's something he has to really work on um, this offseason, which he obviously can, and I think he will. You know, when when the Jaguars got him, um, when I was back on ESPN 690, the, the biggest thing I said is temper expectations, because to me it's going to be Rashawn Gary all over again. Rashawn Gary um, was a guy out of Michigan, played a lot of positions, didn't have the numbers, but once again, had a great combine, great size, and the Green Bay Packers took him. Now, you know, his situation is a little different because when they took him in the first round, he was behind, you know, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. So he had time to kind of acclimate and work himself in. But even when he did, he wasn't doing that well. And Packer fans were ready to call him a bust after season two. And then eventually, you know, when uh, Preston Smith went and Zadarius Smith went, Rashawn Gary became that guy. But it took some time. So, you know, I think this up and coming year for Trayvon Walker, obviously it's going to be big. I think we see improvement, but how much improvement can we see is going to be the biggest question. Yeah, it is going to be. And obviously if they don't bring back Arden Key and Dewan Smoot, do you try to go after maybe someone who can be a more dominant interior pass rusher to help Trayvon and Josh out more to make that pocket a little bit more uncomfortable for those quarterbacks, make it easier to get your hands on them? I think that would be a – a cert, I think getting that into your pass rush would definitely be a way to level up. Dude, I mean, I, I can't say this enough. I mean, I feel like I've been campaigning this now for years. You got to focus on the interior pass rush. Now, I understand you, you bring in a guy like Vadakassian, uh, right, who, who was a great run defender in New York and everything. But, like, if you look at the numbers in terms of pass rushing, I was a little skeptical just because the guy was a run stopper. You know, like – it's it, it's hard to find a defensive tackle, a three technique especially, that can kind of do it all, right? Like that's why Aaron Donald's so coveted, right? Because he's great in the run, he's great in the pass, and the Jaguars need that. The Jaguars need that interior push. When Calais Campbell was here, you saw what happened with guys like Dante Fowler. You saw what happened with guys like Josh Allen, obviously, and made all the difference in the world. And I think right now that is definitely lacking. 
You know, I mean, sure, you can, you can put Smoot there, who is maybe a little undersized, but it's better suited on the outside. I mean, you can try to have like these quote unquote NASCAR packages, as they call them, where you, you want to rush, you know, for just defensive ends and make it happen. But if we're talking about being on base downs, especially in the AFC South, who guess what? Teams love to run the ball. You mm-hmm. got to have a defensive tackle that can do it both. And unfortunately, the Jaguars right now are very, you know, I think it's very sparse at that position of, of a guy who can do it both on a consistent basis. So, yeah. I would I would scavenge free agency. I would definitely take a long, hard look in the draft. I mean, yeah, you're probably not going to get um, an elite caliber guy at 25 just because I think the defensive tackles this year they're a little down. Um, Jalen Carter's a stud, but like besides that, it starts to drop a little bit. But you, you can get a good guy in the third or fourth round. I mean, I'm um, I was trying to think of some guys. There's like a guy like Keanu Benton, who's like I think Love. third round or fourth round right now from Wisconsin, but is getting a lot of praise from the Senior Bowl. That guy can, I think, come in right away and give you something in terms of spark in the pass rush. So there are guys available, I think, in later rounds that you can try to get, as opposed to trying to get a tight end or something like that in the later rounds who probably won't contribute that much. Yeah, I think that it's a a lot of folks, Mel Kuyper, some other draft guys have been talking about how it's not a great class overall. I think mm-hmm. that might be true, but I do think there's positions still in this class that have depth, and I do think interior pass rush is actually one of them. Um, mm-hmm. And it might be a guy who maybe isn't great against the run, but you bring him in here and you get him, um, uh, you get him in there, you know, as like the NASCAR package or whatever, but he yeah. has more beef than like a Dewan Smoot or like an Arden key. He's actually a defensive tackle type of player. You know what I mean? And I think there's going to be guys like that. Mora Ojomo from Texas. Um, yeah. He's super twitched up. He's got great length. Uh, he's a guy that I don't know if he's going to be on day two pick. He might be a day three pick. So I definitely think there's going to be guys like that to look at. Maybe they spend on one in free agency, like Deron mm-hmm. Payne or or David Onyemata from New Orleans, Javon Hargrave. I think one of those three guys would really upgrade. We'll see how it plays out. But definitely yeah. I'm with you getting that interior uh, humming a little bit more is going to be critical for the Jags. Well, no, that leads to the question as well. You know, I mean, uh, a guy that you paid a lot of money to is Roy Robertson Harris. You know, I mean, he, he's still on the team, correct? He's not a free agent. Yeah. Last time I checked. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what, what do you do with him? You know, I mean, do you do you cut ties? Do you cut your losses um, there? Do you try to restructure his deal? I mean, once again, like, you know, he, he showed up in glimpses, but you have to ask, is the money worth the squeeze? And I'm not sure if Robertson Harris, if he was that much of a difference maker on this defensive line this year. Yeah, the reason for me that one's so tough is not because he's like not a good guy. Like you want him around here. He's a good guy. Oh, he's a great he's guy. A yeah. Good player uh, for the most part, you know, and he does have really big splash games, but he's being paid to be a starter. Mm-hmm. Do you want him to be a starter next year? Probably not. That's just what it comes down to. And if you do, if you did decide to um, to restructure, kick his cap down the road a little bit, he's a guy that's 29 years old. Like you're not really going to expect him to get better at this point in his career. So I think it's a tough, tough one. And you could save $8 million almost by moving on. So I just don't see how that one is going to make much sense for the Jaguars keeping him around. Just again, if they were flushed with cap space, sure, keep him around. Yeah, but that's yeah. not currently the situation. Um, I did have one last question about personnel um, mm-hmm. moving into twenty twenty three and how they can level up. Calvin Ridley, like that's a level up card right there, isn't it? 
it, you know, it, it absolutely is. But once again, I think, um, you know, kind of on the, my whole Trayvon Walker thing, I think we got to temper expectations a little bit until we see it for ourselves. Just because this guy's been out of football for, what, a year and, and, and a half, essentially. And, like, yeah. yeah, it's one thing to be training. It's one thing maybe you're, you're going to a field and then you're throwing reps with somebody. And that's great and everything, but you're you're not getting that game experience. And you know, I think Adrian Peterson ruined it for everybody when we saw him tear his ACL. Guy flies to Germany, gets whatever injected into his knee or whatever it was. I mean, it's the same stuff they gave Ivan Drago. I'm convinced of it, but whatever. Yeah. Guy comes back, whatever, six months later, and he's better than ever. And then all of a sudden we look at that and it's like, oh yeah, well, he's a professional athlete, he's an NFL player. That's fine. You know, now with Calvin Ridley, it's not coming back from an injury. So that's you know, I mean, that's a positive but it's still being out of the game for a minute, you know? So we're not sure what this is going to look like quite yet. Um, obviously this is a guy who, when he was humming, when, when he was in his, you know, when he was producing deep play threat, um, dependable, reliable, all those key things, great route runner, all the things that you want out of a wide receiver. And you know what? He came at a discount just because he has been out of the game for a while, but if he can even be a reliable, and I say this, a reliable number two because you still have Christian Kirk, keep in mind, mm-hmm. I think it's, 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 it's a can't-miss opportunity. So, yes, I'm super excited for Calvin Ridley. I'm excited for that reliable, deep threat. I'm excited for a lot of things he's bringing to the table. But I'm not expecting him to come in day one and it's like, you know, the, oh, the, the, the reincarnation of Randy Moss or anything like that. I'm going to yeah. tempt my expectation. But, hey, I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he's able to bring. And, um February 15th is when he's eligible to apply for reinstatement. That's next week. So we'll maybe potentially be getting some news on that here pretty soon. um, And hopefully being able to get Calvin Ridley into, into that building and get him going again. Um, So yeah, that's going to be one of the biggest storylines to follow over the next few months, obviously is Calvin Ridley and where he's at. Um, Mm -hmm. So we talked about the personnel. I, I think that just the fact that, you have Doug Peterson second year, right? You're not Mm -hmm. changing regimes. You're not rebuilding this organization from below zero after urban might, right? You already have this established, right? And going into year two, I mean, that's when Doug Peterson took the Eagles to the Super Bowl. That's when Carson Wentz looked like an MVP. I'm not saying any of that's going to happen. You've still got a Mm -hmm. fire breathing dragon and Patrick Mahomes on the other side right now. Right. And you've got a lot (laughs) of other talented players uh, that you're going to have to deal with and coaches. But uh, I think there's just the fact that Doug will be in year two is going mm-hmm. to represent an opportunity for the Jags to level up. Yes. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And to me, this is the cool thing about Doug Peterson, you know, and, and I played, um, I didn't play for him. I was on defense, but I was with him back in Kansas city back in 2013 um, for training camp and preseason. Um, I, I got to talk to him a little bit, kind of pick his brain. And obviously, having played with Andy Reid, I mean, you, you see the similar, similar characteristics of the personalities. You know, I mean, he's definitely part of that Andy Reid coaching tree. And, and by doing that, I mean, he's never too high. He's never too low. Right. He, he's always even keeled. And, and I always pinpoint back to that. And that, that was the one benefit of being at home for that Chargers Jaguars game was the fact that I was at home, get to see the halftime interview when they interviewed him. You know, and, and you're down by whatever, what, 27 to 7 or whatever the score was. And they asked him, like, what's the plan? He didn't panic. He was calm, cool, collected. And that wasn't for the cameras. That's who that guy is. That's who Andy Reid is. And I think when you have a coach like that who is super even keeled, keep in mind, this team's coming off of, of a miraculous season, right? So now all of a sudden 
cockiness can take over a little bit. All of a sudden, you know, entitlement can take over a little bit. You saw it back in 17 to 18, right? Jaguars go to the AFC Championship game in 17. What happens in 18? Yeah. Dumpster fire, right? That's not going to happen on Doug Peterson's watch because he's not going to let this team get too ego inflated. It's going to be business as usual, you know, and that's what you want out of a head coach. That's what you want out of a quarterback as well. And guess what? Doug Peterson was a former quarterback, so he gets how the game is operated. I think with him and Trevor Lawrence now, Trevor Lawrence has a the, this newfound fire. You know, we have to go back. We have to get to the Super Bowl. I love that motivation. I love the even-keeledness of Doug Peterson. It's a great combination. And I think when we're talking about leveling up, I mean, you have the quarterback, you have the head coach. Those are the two biggest things going forward. The rest, yeah, I mean, you get to fill in the cracks here and there. But if you get those two things, you get a chance to be special. Yeah, and I think, you know, outside of Andy and Patrick Mahomes, like who would you rather have going into 2023 than Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence? <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's a great Short call. List. You know, I mean. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely a short list. You know, what I mean, like obviously you have to give, give your props to Sirianni, what he's done with um, Jalen Hurts. I mean, that's that's been pretty impressive itself. But th- that game's more predicated off, you know, being tough in the trenches, being able to run the ball as well as plays with just you know throwing the ball. Having an all pro defense. Well, that, that and then kind of an all pro offensive line too. It seems yeah. like I mean they're just they're they're beasts uh, in both sides of yeah. the trenches. But no, to answer your question, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Dallas is feeling good right now. I don't think Buffalo's even really feeling good that now. I mean, Cincinnati, you know, okay, give them their props, but I think it's a very, very short list of the quarterback to head coach combination that you want right now in the NFL, and the Jaguars are right up there. So crazy to think about. Just a couple of years ago, everyone is so doom and gloom, and now you're 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 sitting pretty moving into 2023. It's awesome. One last coaching question. Yeah. Mike Caldwell. Going into year two as a defensive coordinator, you're a defensive guy. How mm-hmm. did you see that defense kind of grow throughout the year? And do you expect him to be able to come in with a little bit more understanding and consistency as a second year defensive coordinator? Well, first of all, yeah, let's um let's go ahead and put you know Darius Williams where he belongs. And that helps things a little bit. You know, I mean that's <laughs> that's exhibit A. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this defense is gonna play better this year. Um, they're, they're going to be more just conditioned with the playbook now and, and what expectations are, you know, g- going into a new year, running a new defense can always kind of be um, kind of a whirlwind, if you will. And obviously, you know, you, you're relying on guys like Trayvon Walker, who was a rookie, um, you know, maybe lack of an interior defensive line push in terms of the past game. So, and most of there are starters, some things that a lot of those guys were new. It wasn't exactly. just Mike Caldwell who's new, like Foye was new. Darius Williams was new. Um, yeah. Um, uh, the Lloyd, I mean, Lloyd, you had Boye were new. Like, <laughs> yeah, you have Lloyd Muma. Yeah, yes, yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of guys that um that kind of grew up this season. You would hope, you know. So like in the next season, do we hope that um you know Chad Muma or if it's going to be Lloyd takes the next step? Well, absolutely, you got to now, right? Trayvon Walker takes the next step, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I think in terms of of the personnel, there's going to be a lot more experience, going to be a lot more maturity. And then you bring a guy here, bring a guy here to only make you better. I think the defense is going to be, you know, I think it's going to be exponentially better than what we saw in the beginning of the season last year. Yeah. I mean, they were gangbusters towards the end there, you know, with their yeah. ability to get after the quarterback and and create pressure and turnovers. And so hopefully you can build off some of that, that momentum um, moving forward. So a couple questions that are more topical for, for this week 
before we all get right. you out of here. I know I've held you sure. longer than we talked about. Oh, that. dude, no, you're fine, man. I love chatting with you. You're all good. Appreciate your time. So, Coach of the Year voting happened earlier this week. Results mm-hmm. came out last night at the NFL Honors. Brian Dayball won pretty easily, kind of going away with it. And I get that, you know, with what he did with the Giants. Yeah. But Doug finished fifth in voting. I could not believe he finished fifth behind Sirianni, McDermott, mm-hmm. Shanahan, and Dayball. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, man. That? I mean, I mean, listen, should he have finished fifth? Absolutely not. Right. But but a lot of time with these whole awards things, whether it's the Pro Bowl, whether it's, you know, coach of the year, whether it's defensive player of the year or whatever, um, you know, it, it is what it is. Do, do I think Doug Peterson was a top three coach this year? Well, absolutely. I think he'd be crazy not to think that. Do I think Dave Old deserves it? Sure. Because yeah. I think if you look at that roster, um, especially that offense, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, we surprised a lot of people this year. I didn't expect Daniel Jones to do anything. All right. I, I didn't expect, I mean, I, I think your yeah, highest expected paid guy, them to be looking for a quarterback right now, not talking about extending Daniel Jones. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I mean, I think what Dable was, what, what he had to work with. Um, yeah. I think Dable deserved it. You know I mean? Doug Peterson's kind of the same thing where what he had to work with and coming off of a disastrous season with urban Meyer. And I get all that, but, People don't necessarily like those storylines. Sometimes I feel like with voting, like they don't care about Urban Meyer. Like they just care about okay. Well, Dable had Daniel Jones and a bunch of wide receivers that I'm not even sure are real players, and, and Doug had Trevor. they had success, and and Doug had Trevor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, the Jags did make it around further in the playoffs. They did give the Chiefs everything they could handle. Um, they did. So you know, it, I think at least Peterson should have finished second. Uh, it's I not can definitely matter, agree with really. that. Coach of the yeah. year kind of matters when you talk about legacy, but what matters a lot more is ranks when you're no, talking exactly. about a head coach. So yeah. if he goes and gets a ring in Jacksonville, his legacy is cemented. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. Dude. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to have statues of you. Like, you're going to have all the free meals in town that you want. Like, yeah, if Doug Peterson pulls up that Super Bowl win here in Jacksonville, man, like, I'm sorry, Fred Durst. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, Lil Duval, but – Doug Peterson's going to be the, the, the you know, the, the, the biggest Jacksonville guy of all time. Oh, yeah. Him and Trevor will own this city. No yeah, doubt about for sure. it. Mm-hmm. All right. Super Bowl. It's coming up this yeah. Sunday. We know you spent some time in KC. Who are you taking, yeah. Kansas City or Philly? Man, so I kind of go back and forth because it's what my heart tells me. It's what my head tells me. Okay. I want the Chiefs to win because I'm a huge Andy Reid fan. Best coach I ever played for. Um, I just love that organization so much. But if we break this game down real quick, and keep in mind, we're not sure with Jalen Hurts yet, like what the shoulder thing is. We're not sure if he's 100% or not. For the sake of this breakdown real quick, let's just assume that Jalen Hurts is going to play at 100%, okay? If we break this game down, offensive line, advantage Eagles. Defensive line, advantage Eagles. Linebackers, I'd probably give advantage Eagles. Corners, safety. closer, but yeah. It's closer, but I'm still going Eagles, right? I mean, mm-hmm. tight end position, Obviously, it's advantage all day for Kansas City. And then when you talk about wide receivers, I mean, with all due respect to Valdez, Scantling, and Juju Smith-Schuster, you had a great TikTok from what I've heard, but I have to go with the Eagles. So when you check all those boxes on every single position, set aside from obviously Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, well, can they single-handedly win the game for you? Mahomes is probably the best quarterback in the league right now, and I get that. But that that can only get you so much against a defensive line 
that is going to be humming. Now, I can see Andy Reid definitely scheming things, quick passes, motions, trying to slow the defensive line down. But I just think that they're so stacked in every position, it's hard to bet against um, the Eagles. So I would, I'm cheering for the Chiefs to win. But if I'm putting money down on it, I got to go with the Eagles. Once again, assume that um, Hurts is going to be 100%. Yeah, I love it. I love this matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my wife's from Kansas City, family in Kansas City. We'll be watching the game with them. So like you, I will be pulling for the Chiefs just because I want my my family life to, to <laughs> continue to exist, right? I want them to continue to be right. Um, for sure. But I also have friends in Philly um, and yeah. a lot of respect for Philly. I was a big Jalen Hurts guy in the draft. I thought he was a early second round pick, which they ended up mm-hmm. taking him in the second round. And uh, I just like a lot of what they have going on, too. I've always liked the Eagles. And obviously, Doug and Andy both have their connections to the Eagles as well. So it's just it's a really cool matchup for me. I've been talking about this for a couple weeks. Every time the Chiefs step on the field, they have the mm-hmm. best head coach. Yeah. And that doesn't mean he's going to be the better coach that week necessarily. Yeah. But I think Andy Reid is the best coach in football right now. I they agree. Have the best, they have the best quarterback in football every time mm-hmm. they step on the field. And in my opinion, they usually, almost every time they step on the field, have the next two best players, and Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. And so that just makes them so and, – and Spagnolo is a great defensive coach. He doesn't he is, get nearly yes. the credit he deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm going to pick the Chiefs just because obvious reasons here. Okay. But it's going to be great. I can't wait for it. And I want I want it to be a good game. All right, Jordan, so real quick, so, so let's say because, you know, you can't gamble in Jacksonville, but let's say you go down to the docks and everything, right? And, then, and maybe there's a guy named Tony there. He's taking uh, he's taking some books right now and everything. You put all the money down on the Chiefs then? Well, what's the line? I don't even know what the line is, actually. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't tell you. I think um, it might have been two and a half last time I saw it, but I have no idea. Let's pull it up because I want to make sure I'm okay. making a smart bet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do we got? Plus, uh, Eagles minus one and a half, 22 hours ago. One and a half. Sports Illustrated. Okay. Eagles minus one and a half. All right. Let's go on ESPN and just make sure they have the same thing. Uh, I know this is great podcasting right now. Oh, no, it's but, fine. But, I mean, it's interesting because, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Eagles opened up as the underdogs. And then through the week, it seems like the money's been coming in on the Eagles, and that's kind of maybe swayed the lines a little bit. Now, to be fair, I think we talk about Philly, a very passionate fan base. People putting money down on the Eagles. They like their story. Um, you know, they like the fact that they're dominant in the trenches. So a lot of money could be going on that. But you also can't deny the fact that you give Andy Reid time um, to prepare, he is the best head coach, hands down. He's already the best coach in the NFL, hands down. But when you talk about a guy who's got a week to prepare for a game, too, I mean, it, it even ups the ante even more. Yeah, it does. And he had week two weeks to prepare for Doug last time, and I think that yeah. was super uh, – just an encouraging step for the Jaguars being able to hang in in that game despite, mm-hmm. obviously, the Jags had been, um, you know, through hell the last two weeks prior to that, just kind of crazy football games. But mm-hmm. uh, let's see. All right. ESPN also has the Eagles as one and a half point favorites. So we're saying the okay. Eagles are favored by one and a half. Can the Chiefs right. get within one and a half points? 
Yeah, I'll take the Chiefs. Jordan's taking the Chiefs. Okay, they've lost in the they lost in the Super Bowl to the Bucks two years ago. They lost in the playoffs to the to the mm-hmm. Bengals last year. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I think they're like that team where and those players and coach like Pat and Andy where like it's not happening again. We're not mm-hmm. losing again. Uh, mm-hmm. I know we're great. We're pretty much close to a dynasty at this point. If we win some more Super Bowls, we got to get this one. And Pat just reminds me of Steph Curry so much. Yeah. I don't know why. And I kind of feel like Steph can do that when he needs to. Like, this sure. is our year. Yeah. I and to be fair, like, yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be on Mahomes for sure. But like, I feel like if they can run the ball, too, like Pacheco has been kind of uh, the bright spot for them. And it's funny because you talk about the Chiefs and the running game. Like every year is kind of the same thing. Like, oh, this running back this year is going to be the real deal. Like, you should draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round of yeah. fantasy draft. He's going to be the real deal. And what happens? He he burns and he breaks your heart. But, like, Pacheco seems like a very hard runner, downhill type of guy that can get you some yards. If they can use him, implement him, and keep that, you know, that stingy Eagles defense, which I don't even know what stingy – I mean, I know it's, like, you know, it's good and stuff, but I'm not, I'm not sure where stingy comes from. But keep that stingy defense um, on their heels a little bit. You, you never know, man. So it'll be a good game to watch. Yeah, and with their pass rush, one thing I also was thinking about, Mahomes' ability to avoid sacks has gotten like so much better, I think, yeah. in 2022, 2023. Mm-hmm. It's like the Jags were getting pressure on him in both games, and they just couldn't touch him. Yeah, There was pressure in both games against the Chiefs. Just couldn't yeah. touch him. Yeah, it's it's not fair when you're doing like three sixties and then throwing the ball, and it's it's like you're in the backyard, man. It's just it's crazy how much the game has slowed down for him. It's unreal. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And even with you know losing all of his receivers last time they were out on the field, he was still just slinging it around. Yeah, I mean, hey, Tyreek Hill, ha- have fun on South Beach, dude. Hope you're having sure. a lot of mo- you know having a lot of mojitos and stuff because Pax Rome I guess doesn't need you, and I thought that wasn't gonna be the case either. So. Yeah, it's yeah. a testament to just how great Patrick Mahomes is. You know, he, he gets that big contract, and they don't skip a beat, right, because it's the talent. And eventually when Trevor Lawrence gets that big contract, you hope the same thing happens there where it doesn't matter who put the wide receiver position, he's going to eat regardless. Yeah, can't wait for that. Obviously, it's yeah. going to be a fun 2023 season for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Fun offseason. A lot of stuff coming ahead. We've got free agency in just over a month. We've got the the – NFL Combine, the Draft Combine, which is a little less than a month away. NFL Draft at the end of April. Can't wait for it all. I really appreciate you joining me today, Austin, and hopefully we can get you on here again soon. Jordan, man, it's been a time and a half. I appreciate the invite. Anytime you need me, you you know where to hit me up. Um, Yeah, but appreciate it, man. I'm a big fan of what you do. Stay casual. We'll see you around, all right? Yeah, I appreciate you. Make sure to follow Austin on Twitter at A underscore train underscore 92. And make sure to keep up with his uh, fighting career and see what's going on here. Hopefully that bicep returns to health quickly. Yeah, and now uh, can I also plug my Instagram too because the yes. UFC made me get an Instagram because they called me an yes. idiot. They're like, hey, you had a big video and you're you're throwing – they literally – the PR person literally called me up and said, you're an idiot. You're just leaving money on the table. So I got an Instagram too. It's like – it's Austin Lane and then underscore. So Check me out on Instagram as well. I don't really post that much, but like I'm trying to make the UFC people happy. So it is what it is there. Hell yeah. Got to make the PR folks happy. Got to make the PR folks happy, Jordan, man. All right. Take it easy. All right. Best of luck. Appreciate you. Thank you, man. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.